Well, welcome to Thrive Church. We're honored that you're here, worshiping with us here. We're honored that you're online and, and just being a part of this family. Our motto at Thrive is don't just survive, thrive. We sum it up in three words. Grow, develop, succeed. We're growing a kingdom. We're developing our character. And the way we succeed is we succeed by doing what God has called us to do in our local church and in our community. And that's how we succeed. Amen? This is our final week of 21 days of prayer. And what we do is we started praying two times a year, one in the beginning of the year in January to start off the year. We do praying and fasting. And then in the middle of the year, you know, right before, you know, right before, right during the first part of school and school's coming in, we start praying. And what are we praying for? We're praying for visions and dreams for, for our children, for us personally, for the church. And, and this is what we're praying out. We want God to reveal to us some things. And next year, I was talking to Kim, and I asked her to get me the date when school starts next year. Because I'm going to start 21 days before the, before the school starts. And what I want to focus on is praying for our children. Because, you know, this world has gone nuts. It's totally crazy. Tennessee's even starting to go a little crazy. Not as crazy as the rest of the world. But there's some crazy things happening even here. And so the thing of it is, is we need to be praying over our children because... If Jesus tarries, it's their generation that's going to have to carry the torch. And we need to be the generation that, not, that leads the way to show them how to carry the torch and pray them into their destiny and their future because they might be the ones ushering in Jesus Christ. Or we could be, but we have to lead the way. Amen? So during this time of prayer, we started this series called Detox. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to cleanse ourselves. And detoxing, by definition, is the removal of toxic substances from a living organism. Now, when you detox, a lot of times it's painful. I mean, it, it hurts. I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever been addicted to caffeine and tried to fast caffeine. You get headaches. See, it doesn't have to be detoxing alcohol or drugs or something like that unless you're addicted to that. There's all kinds of things that you could be addicted to that you need to detox, right? So in this series, the first one we started was, was about being a spirit. We found out that we're spirit beings. And all a spirit being is, is we were created in the image and the likeness of God. So we talked about detoxing our spirit. The second week, what we talked about was detoxing our soul. Well, the soul is the mind, the will, the intellect, and the emotions. And so that's what we dealt with last week. And then today we're going to talk about the third part of you is your body, detoxing your body. And what your body does is your body gives you the right to function on this earth. Since you're, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. The word of God is the only thing that can divide the spirit and the soul. The Bible says that. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will divide us under of soul and spirit. So it's the only thing that can divide that. Well, those two things come together, and they live in this physical body so we can function on this earth. And so we have the right to function on this earth. But the body is not born again because it's decaying. It's, it's not going to make it. The soul, the mind, will, intellect, and emotions aren't born again. Why? Because you don't think new. 
you still have your same thinking that you've had all along. So the only thing that's been made new, brand new, is your spirit. And so what we need to do is we need to go through a cleansing process. The theme verse that we uh, started with is 2 Corinthians 6. It started in verse 14. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. In other words, be careful who you hang out with. Don't be hooked up with people who are unbelievers because they're toxic. He goes on to say, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Absolutely none. We don't have anything in common truly with the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. That doesn't mean we look down upon the world. That means we're to be salt and light to the world. You can't be salt and light to someone you're looking down to. You can't be salt and light to someone you're looking up to. But you can be salt and light to someone you're looking eye to eye with. Because when you're looking eye to eye with them, you're not making the other person feel like they're above or below you. You make them feel like it's an equal. But truly, you're not an equal until you're both born again. But you don't treat people. Jesus did not treat people that way. The way he treated them is, he, he treat, look, I came for the sick people. So he, he came down and he, and, and he washed the feet of the disciples and he did all these things. I mean, coolest dude in the world is Jesus. The most uncoolest people in the world are religious Christians. Because we hurt people. Jesus wasn't going around hurting people. He was loving people. The only people that he hurt were religious people who hurt other people. And all he was trying to do was wake them up because really he wanted them to turn around too. Amen? Okay. And you also have to be careful because you have to take a look at this. Just because somebody goes to church on Sunday doesn't make them a Christian. Just because I got a slept at McDonald's doesn't make me a Happy Meal. It's true. I, one time I might have looked like a Happy Meal. But, but the deal is, is this. You have to be careful who you hang out with. It says, for we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. God's saying he wants to be close to you. He's saying that it's based upon your terms, though. You have to come out from amongst the world, and you can't look like the world. You have to start hanging around with the right people. The only reason why AA, NA, and any other A works is because they have to hang out with the right people. But if you go to these AA, NA, A whatever meetings, and you go through these programs, but yet there's someone who's in the program who's not the right person because they're going out still doing the same thing they were doing that got them there in the first place. If you hang out with them, you're going to be doing it too. So the thing of it is, is you have to, you, you have something to do with it. You have to change the people you hang out with. He says, touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates, or, or all the toxins, rather, in the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 
So God's saying, man, I want to be close to you. I really do, but you're going to have to purify yourself. You're going to have to get rid of the contaminants. You're going to have to do something about it. And like I said earlier, when I'm talking about detoxing of the body, I'm not necessarily talking about drugs and alcohol. I'm, I'm talking about anything that you're connected to that you're addicted to, that you can't stop. You have to detox. A while back, my daughter Alexa told me, she said, Dad, she said, uh, if you lose 50 pounds, you'll have some grandchildren. <laughs> so I said, man, that's hard, <laughs> right? So then I saw the doctor like right after, and he said my cholesterol was at 300. So between my doctor and my daughter, D&D, <laughs> anyway, between these two, I got real serious. So last November, I was at 240 pounds, and I'm at 195 pounds. I have five pounds to go. So Josh and Alexa, you better be serious. <laughs> I want some grandchildren, and I'm not talking about Zolly, Bella, and Piro. That's their dogs. I want some little babies running around, and, and Leah does too. Anyway, Romans chapter 7 in verse number 21, it says, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So basically saying, I want to do good. I mean, I really do want to do good, but, but there's all this evil, all this pressure of evil all around me, and it's really hard for me to do good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody there right now? Okay. All right. The, the honest ones are the ones that raise their hands. Because it's true. Because there's a war raging right now in your mind. Matter of fact, Joyce Myers years ago wrote this book called Battlefield of the Mind. I would recommend the book. I really would because she, she hit the nail on the head. There is a war raging inside your mind. You want to do good. You get around church people, you get around God and stuff, and you're like, you want to do good, then all of a sudden you walk out that door. And when you walk out that door, all that evil, and I'm not saying the evil's not here, it's still here, it's just not as prevalent until you walk out that door. When you walk out that door, then all of a sudden it's like hell itself comes up against you. And then you wanted to do good, then you feel guilty because you start doing bad. And then you keep doing bad because you think, well, I already did it. Listen, just wipe the dust off your knees, get back up. You stay focused on the prize. Amen? He said, but I see another law at work in my members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. What? Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. You know what this is talking about? This is talking about your body having power over your mind. You know how people say, well, I don't need to do that because, you know, I, my, my mind, my... This just said your body can have power over your mind. So no matter how smart you think you are, because Paul, the apostle, was probably one of the most intelligent people in that land during that time. So no matter how intelligent you think you are, no matter how you think you can do it on your own, your body is smarter than your mind because it beats your mind up all the time. It's got power. 
But he said this. He said, what a wretched man I am. Who will cause, uh, who will rescue me from this body? Paul was down on himself. He was beating himself up. In other words, he wanted to do good. His body was going into convulsions and wanting to do bad. So he did some bad things. And then all of a sudden, instead of conviction from the Holy Spirit, he got guilt. And he felt guilty for what he was doing. Oh, wretched man I am. See, that's how the enemy works. The enemy wants you to feel guilty because if you feel guilty, you'll keep doing the things over and over again. But if you're convicted, you know how much Jesus loves you, you know how much God loves you, and you know that no matter what you do, he's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He might not like what you're doing, but he's in love with you. And when you know that, it causes you to want to do better. Have you ever noticed when you're really in love with someone, you don't want to hurt them? If you're really in love with God, you don't want to hurt them. That's the truth. I don't have to give you a bunch, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Listen, the law hasn't been abolished, it's been fulfilled. What does that mean? I'm not going to be judged by the law because Jesus fulfilled the law. What I need to do is stay connected to the vine. And when I'm connected to the vine, when judgment comes, baby, it's falling on Jesus. Man, that's good right there. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you three body toxins, okay? The first one, addiction. How many addicts do we have out here? Any? Have any addicts? You see, there's not a lot of hands. That's because even though I said it earlier, you didn't believe it. Addiction is when you want to stop doing something, but you can't, no matter what it is. You could be addicted to watching TV. You could be addicted to anything. You could be addicted to your Facebook. You could be addicted to, don't hit me, Mom. You could be addicted to the news. You can be addicted to anything. So guess what? All y'all addicts. Me too. We have things that we're addicted to that we just can't seem to break away. So addiction is the first toxin that we need to take a look at. Amen? Okay. And this is the deal with addiction. Addiction brings self-gratification. Because it's all about self. No matter what you're addicted to. Now, don't think for a moment I don't watch the news at times. Just because I said that. You know, there are times that I do. But the reason why I have chosen not to watch the news is because, first of all, I don't believe most of it is true. Second, they don't have anything good to say. No matter who you're talking to, Democrats, Republicans, liberals, independent, whatever, they've got nothing good to say. All they do is just point fingers at each other. So we don't need the news. We need the word. We, we need to be praying out in the spirit of God, the word of God in this place, in this country. We don't need to be bashing 
any of our politicians, no matter who the president, Congress, judges, no matter who they are, the Bible says we need to pray for them. And when we pray for them, the Bible says we're basically, we're receiving peace. I've been through quite a few presidents now that I'm 51. And guess what? I don't know if I like any of them after they've all been through office. Just saying. Some you might like a little bit more at the time, but, you know, I start thinking, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not really a citizen of the United States. I'm a citizen of the, of the kingdom of God. And if this government is not promoting the kingdom of God, I have to distance myself from politics. See, because we are in an eternal destiny. Not a temporal destiny. So what we want to do is we want to bring eternity to this country, to this nation, to this world. Anyway, that was for free. Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let any sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. In other words, don't let sin rule over you. Don't let it control you. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. For sin shall not be your master. Just think of an area in your life where sin might have, might have taken over in your body somewhat. Just, I want you to say it. Don't, don't shout it out. Don't tell your neighbor. I just want you to think about that. And this last six days of prayer, I want you to detox from whatever that is. I want you to let that go for six more days, today and all the way through Saturday until we, till we get together Sunday. I want you to detox through that. See, each week I've been giving you something to detox. But see, if you started off the first week with the first thing, and then you kept going through the second week and added something to it, now, now you've got two things going on. Now today I'm giving you a third thing. What are we doing? We're, we're, we're building ourselves up to get closer, to purify, to separate ourselves to God. To have that relationship with him. Number two, the next area, debauchery. Debauchery is allowing your senses to call the shots, or the definition is it's the extreme indulgence of sensuality. Now, modern-day society has gone crazy because they're teaching people to, to live by their emotions. Just do what makes you feel happy. As long as you do what makes you feel happy, everything will be okay. That is not true. That's a lie. But at the same time, you know, because they don't teach them how to live by their conviction. But at the same time, we've taken away the moral compass. So how can people truly live by conviction? Society's gone crazy. What was right is wrong. What was wrong is right. What was good is bad. What's bad is good. Nuts. And this is the thing is you can't trust your feelings. You can't. You know, if you trusted your feelings... You'd probably be married 150 times in 10 years. Because your feelings are going to tell you, you don't like that person right now. Because of whatever the reason, because you're mad at them, so your feelings told you, I fell out of love. And so you walk away, and you find somebody else, oh, I love them. And so then you get married, and within a couple days, you know you're running through the same thing, so you walk away from that one. 
You can't trust your feelings. Instead of allowing your feelings to control you, you control your feelings. Ephesians 5, 18, and I'll tell you how to do that in a second. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is, when you get drunk, you go on a trip. And the trip's debauchery, right? And he's not just talking about wine, alcohol. He's also talking about anything, no matter what it is, that is controlling you, other than the Word. Anything, if you get drunk on social media, how do you get drunk? Oh, I can't wait to get to my, I got to get my phone. I got to, oh, 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 look at my status. <laughs> then all of a sudden you set your phone down to get a sandwich. Oh, where's my phone? Oh, oh, oh. I got 45 likes now from that status. You know, you're drunk and it will lead you to debauchery You'll start saying and doing things you shouldn't. You'll start excommunicating people and not have real relationships with real people. Debauchery. Your senses controlling you. Amen? All right. So, in other words, allow your choices to lead, and if you do, your feelings will follow. They do. If I choose, even though I don't want to, I choose to walk this way. Walk this way. Anyway, if I choose to walk a certain way, eventually, it's not bad this way. I kind of like it. Why? Because my feelings are catching up with my choices. And that's how it works. The next one, third one here. This one's a tough one. Sexual immorality. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe he's talking about that in church. Listen, we better talk about it in church because they talk about it at school, and they don't talk about it in the same context we talk about it. I'm just saying. The Greek word is called pornea. That's where we get our English word, pornography. But pornea does not mean pornography. Pornea literally means all sexual sin outside of marriage as God defined marriage, not by feeling. Wow, really? Yeah. And check it out. We're going to learn some stuff today that's really going to be cool. It's going to help you out. See, because sex outside of marriage, the way God created it, will destroy you. The background of the scripture I'm going to give you Paul addresses this particular area. And part of the church worship in this church is they were, they were having sexual relations with temple prostitutes. I mean, basically, they had prostitutes outside the church, and, you know, you come in, you have sex inside the church, and that, that, that's what they did. Is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. Here, we'll read it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. You know, they were tripping when he said unite because this word unite in the Greek means this by def definition, to permanently fuse at the deepest level. 
what? Yeah. See, the world tells you it's no big deal. It's just casual. It's okay. It's, you, you, you can gratify, and it's all right. High five. Woo. Yeah, you're the man. Right? But the Bible says this. You connect at the deepest level. You fuse together at the deepest level. So in other words, any baggage they got, you got. Any baggage you got, they got. Guess what? You have it for life. That's what he just said. He said, do you not know that he who unites himself, or do you not know that he who permanently fuses themselves at the deepest level with a prostitute is one with her in body question, for it is said that the two shall become one flesh? So he's not talking about the physical body because it's, it's uniting permanently at the deepest level. And you, you're not united permanently at the deepest level the rest of your life physically. So it's something on the inside. Years ago when I studied this topic out, it was probably 1999. What I found out is when you have this type of relationship with somebody, you're cutting a covenant with them. And in a covenant relationship, what that means is anything that belongs to you belongs to me. Anything that belongs to me belongs to you. And until you break a covenant, you have that baggage with you for the rest of your life. So check this out. Let's say you slept with one person outside of your marriage. Let's say they slept with 100 people. Everything that belongs to them now belongs to you. You need to cut that tie. That's spiritual. It's permanently fusing with someone. It's at a spiritual level. What he's talking about is a soul tie. God created it this way. He did it on purpose because in a healthy marriage with a healthy sexual relationship, you're to be soul tied at such a strong level. It's there to strengthen your marriage, not strengthen sin. So he created it for a purpose, for a reason. How many, you know, how many people actually knew that? Most pastors don't even know that because they don't even study it out. But when you start studying out and the Holy Spirit starts revealing things to you, then all of a sudden it's like, wow. See, then all of a sudden, your marriage becomes a whole lot easier. Remember I said a healthy relation? There are unhealthy relations, too, that people have in this area who are married, and you better stop. Well, what makes it healthy? Listen, if you don't know by now, you better get into your word and read it. If you need help, come see me. I'll talk with you, and we'll sit down, and we'll go over what, what is healthy. See, I, want, I don't want to know how far I can get to the edge. What can I do? Oh, oh, oh. No, see, if you know anything about the Grand Canyon, there's a reason why they want you a little bit away from the edge, because when you get close to this, you get sucked out. You go down. So I don't want to see how close I can get to the edge, what kind of line I can walk. I want to know what God says is safe. And I just want to stay within those safe parameters and enjoy what God has created to be pure and holy. Okay. And see, God wants you to detox in this area, not because he's trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to make things, your life more happy, joyful, successful, prosperous in all areas. He wants you to be great. He wants you to do great things. First Thessalonians 4, 4 and 5, it says, 
each of you should learn to control his own body. So in other words, you have to learn something. Everybody needs to be taught. But see, that's why I'm a pastor. You know, I'm not going to throw Janice Gaby under the bus here. When I first came here, she wanted a preacher. She'll tell you that. If you really talk to her, she'll tell you. She wanted me to do cartwheels, backflips, somersaults, spit on the whole front row. I can do that. Well, I could do that, maybe, at one time. Um, but that's what preachers do. And preachers, they proclaim, like Paul Revere, the British are coming, the British are coming. He, he just said they were coming. A preacher, an evangelist, that's what he does. Is, is he, he preaches the gospel. He gets excited. He, he stirs up the crowd. But now what a teacher does, a teacher has to dissect the word to make it applicable for your life. So you can learn to live by the word of God. So you can learn to dig into the Bible on your own where you don't have to call me at 2.30. Hey, pastor, you know, I'm having trouble with John chapter 3.16, you know. For God's love, the world are you talking about? You know, I don't need those phone calls. What I need to do is I need to help you get into that word to tap into the Holy Spirit to allow him to teach you himself. Just because I say it doesn't make it true. I, I believe everything I, I say is true now when I say it. But down the road, I start realizing that some of it's not true. So I have to change it. And I'm not scared to say, hey, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I looked at it this way because of this, but now the Holy Spirit has enlightened me for this. But see, too many people are so prideful, they won't do that. We have to be honest. But see, my thing is to give you the tools you need to succeed to teach. Okay? So it says, each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy. See that word, holy? Everybody say holy. That doesn't mean perfect. It means separate. We need to separate ourselves. And honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. So if you're running around in passionate lust, you're running around just like the heathen. More than likely, you're in church and you don't know God. Do you know you can be born again and not know God? You can be born again and just know about God. And you can have, he touched me. Yeah, he can touch you. What's your spouse's favorite color? Okay, wait, wait, wait. What are their interests? Not what do you think they're interested in. What are their deep interests or desires? Because if you can't answer those questions, you don't know your spouse. What's God's favorite color? What's his interest? What's his favorite color? Why is it red? Because the blood, because it represents. It's not that he has any particular emotion over one color than another, but red represents love. What is he interested in? He's interested in us. Red is what brought us. So I would say that is probably God's favorite color because of what it represents. See, your favorite color might be blue. 
So you figure, well, my favorite color is blue. It's got to be God's favorite color because, you know, blue's like the sky or, you know, purple's like royalty, you know, stuff like that. Those represent some really cool things, but the bottom line is there's nothing greater than the blood of Jesus and what it represents. That was for free. So now we took three things out, right? What do we do when we take three things out? We put three things back in. Number one, to detox, get away from it. Run. Remove yourself from it. From what it? From whatever it is that you're doing you shouldn't be doing. Run from the place that it's happening. Go far away. Because it's location, location, location. Run. Your it might be a place where you work, and it might be someone you work with. What about what I do there? I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to like this. If you have to, find another job. Why? Eternity, my job. Eternity, my career. See, Christians don't think right. We think like the world, and we think, well, that's my career. That's my job. I can't do that. Oh, you want to go to hell? How stupid can you be and still breathe? You know, I mean, that's what I'm thinking when, when, when it comes to eternity. I'm not saying just quit. I'm saying, God, open up a position for me someplace else where I can get away from this person who's causing me to sin. You know what God's going to do? He's going to open up a position for you because you're asking him because you have the right intent in your heart. But if you're just saying, open up a position for me because I just want to get rich quick. No. He's going to do it based upon your heart. Get out. Run away. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. It says, flee from sexual immorality. It didn't say manage it. It said, flee. Get away. Run. Cut the ties. Get out. All other sins a man commits out are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Why? Because he's permanently fusing at the deepest level. Something that he shouldn't be doing. Right? In other words, he's saying all the sins are bad, but there's nothing as bad as this one. This is the worst one that you can personally do because you're fusing at the deepest level. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You know, if you've accepted Christ Jesus, you've accepted a deal. Okay? You did. He made a deal with you. The deal is you can either pay for your own sins in hell or Jesus paid them for you. And what that means is you either have to go and serve out the time in hell that you're supposed to serve, or you can just say, you know, I like to deal with Jesus. I get to, and if that's the case, quit doing what you want to do. Start doing what he wants you to do. Why? Well, let's. He, number one, he created you. 
then we left him. He didn't leave us. He came to ransom us and, and buy us back. And he bought us back. But since he created you, he knew what he created you for, so he wants you to do what he's called you to do. And when you do that, man, you will live the best life you can ever imagine. Amen? All right. So there's conditions to the deal, in other words. So salvation is not coming to church. It's giving God control of your life. Number two, guard my mind. Like I said years ago, Joyce Myers wrote that book, Battlefield of the Mind. I would suggest to go get it. Because, see, the thing of it is, is we started desensitizing ourselves. We start watching things and listening to things that we shouldn't watch or listen. When I went to Rama Bible Training Center in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, I remember I was in my New Testament class, and uh, Jeannie, she used to teach over at ORU, and she was their New Testament professor, and, and she said this. She said, if you can watch five minutes of Friends and not be bothered by it, you're desensitized. That's Friends. We have commercials a lot worse than Friends now. You know what I'm saying? Just think about that for a minute. So what you need to do is instead of thinking, okay, pastor, what's right and wrong, you need to say, Holy Spirit, I want to be sensitive to you. You lead me up. Oh, that's not right. Okay, turn it off. Or turn the channel. Do something. Oh, you know, it's only got one breast in there. Just one. You know, I didn't even notice it. Deca, but I didn't notice it. Uh, one F-bomb. That's it. It was just one. So one boob, one. The, you're getting more poop in your brownie. And I want to tell you, I don't want to eat any poop in my brownie. I want it to be good. Poopless brownie is good. Matthew 6.22, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. That's why we're losing the battle, because we're allowing things to come through our eye gates, through our ear gates. That's why I don't watch the news, because the stuff that comes through the, the news is coming through my ear gates. And it's causing me to be fearful of things that can happen, or it's really ticking me off. And I shouldn't be ticked off about anything. I should be praying about everything. My mom's laughing because she thinks I'm talking about her, but this has already been in my notes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You knew my mom was coming. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, Romans chapter uh, 8 and verse 5, it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So people who please the Spirit, it's not that they're any better than you. It's just their minds are set on something better than yours. So if you want to please the Spirit, just reset your mind to something better. That's easy. So when you find that sin is dominating you, set your mind on something greater than sin, and sin won't dominate you anymore. Set it on God. Last but not least, go all in with God. You have to go all in. All in. All in. All in. Because if you don't go all in with God, and you only go halfway, what's that song? Oh, halfway there, oh, living on a prayer. See, 
And that's what you end up with, a song. But if you go all in, you end up with him. You end up with his solution. You end up doing it his way. Do you know when you go halfway there, do you know it's like mixing oil and water? It doesn't work. You have to go all in. Romans 6, 13, New Living Translation. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. He said, go all in. Last scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, New Living Translation. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal, oh, excuse me. We do, yeah, we do it for an eternal prize. Then he goes on to say, so I run with purpose every step. So Paul had a reason. He had a purpose. He was determined. He wasn't doing it for nothing. He was doing it for something. And it's every step. He said, I'm not just shadow boxing. In other words, I'm not just beating at the air. He said, I'm doing something, something of greater value. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. See, it's not how you start the race that counts. It's how you finish the race. You can start it all jacked up, and you can be jacked up right now, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. And you could be jacked up right now. And you might not have started good. As a matter of fact, even this morning, it might not have been good. You might have had a, a, a bad experience this morning. But guess what? It's not how you start today. It's how you finish today. And it's time that we finish strong. So if you're here this morning, and number one, you might not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity. Or you say, listen, Pastor Rick, I do know Jesus Christ, but, you know, I'm not where I want to be. I want to be in a deeper place with him. I want to get close to him. I want to rededicate myself to him. I want to go all in. If that's you on either one of those two things, thank you, thank you, thank you. Go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. You put them down. There was, there was 10 people who said, I want to go all in. Either I'm not born again, I want to get born again, or I just want to go all in. I want to, I want to rededicate myself. Well, guess what? It's not the hand, it's the heart. You raised your hand, you identified with me. You raised your heart, you identify with God. The Bible says is if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. So today, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you decided you're going to raise your heart, we might have another 20 people who say, I'm going to raise my heart. You know? That's how you get saved. It's not by the prayer you say. It's not just by the words you say, it's by the heart that's connected to those words. When you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what saves you. So let's all pray today. 
Heavenly Father, today I receive the price that Jesus paid for me. I receive Jesus. I receive him in his fullness. I know he's coming back for me. Today, I'm not going to be the same. I'm going all in. Holy Spirit, lead me. Guide me. Direct me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, it's not how you start. It's how you finish.